0: Is anyone else troubled by the Spider-Man theme song?
1: Why would it trouble you? It's like your third favorite cartoon theme song.
0: It is. Right behind do-do-do-do-do, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Heroes in a half shell. Turtle, Turtle power!
2: <laughs> However, the
0: Spider-Man lyrics posit that Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Yeah, so? <laughs> I can think of many things Spider-Man can't do that a spider can. One, crawl in your ear and die. <laughs> Two, legally leave Guatemala without a passport.
2: <laughs>
0: Three, have sex with a spider.
1: <laughs> can we change
0: the subject? Spiders
2: give me the gBgbs jeebies
3: <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man, just whatever a spider can.
0: He can't just see, just like he flies, he counts. here Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, but he's got radioactive blood, can he swing from a thread? Take a look, overhead, hey there, there
4: goes Spider-Man. In the chill of the night and the sea. Episode 214 for February 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example on this episode is on Superior Spider-Man number 7. In this one, the Avengers possibly kick Spidey off the team. And our good buddy Cardiac, you remember him from the 90s? Well, he's back. The cover price for this one is $3.99. MailOrder has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com happy valentine's day month crawl spacers this is our february edition let's introduce who we have on the panel everybody that's on the show is a regular so there you go we've got the whole crew here jr what's going on you got something good for the misses this month
5: well the fact that i continue to continue to live with her after all she's done to me i think is the gift that keeps on giving uh... <laughs> You know, she even suggested that I take her out for Valentine's Day and I said, What? That's Looney City Apple Bridges.
3: Oh. <laughs> you always do that.
4: Looney City Apple Britches, nice. Apple Bridges. Sounds like a new cereal from Kellogg. Uh all right, uh Kev, what's going on, sir?
6: Well, I'm uh personally eating some more beef stew just to Ooh. Fuel up for the shenanigans to come, because damn, frankly. <laughs> it's like you're a hobo <laughs> <We're> eating
4: <laughs> Dentimore stew on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm
6: actually, I I lost my apartment. I lost everything. I'm on the side of the road in LA, but thankfully I still have Wi Fi and a headset.
4: Import- wi Fi, headset, and Dentimore stew. That's living the life in LA. The important baby. things. Pretty much. <laughs> There you go, and Zach, what's going on? You're having pizza, if I remember the
0: text. <laughs> yes, I am, I am enjoying a frozen pizza because there's literally no food in this
4: house. So what, what uh, did you get? The best frozen pizza, in my opinion, is the Red Baron kind. You I, I
0: enjoy Red Baron, but this is like the cheap, like one dollar, like two for five dollar pizzas that you get, like Dostitos. because
4: that's like cardboard box and cheese. Sir. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's <laughs> it's the only thing that I was able to grab in a pinch.
4: So great value pizza from Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it really? Did I get it right? Is uh, it a great no, bike? it's
0: close. It's, you know, but I worked at Walmart, so that, that's plausible. So it's Equate
4: Pizza. <laughs> Uh, Josh, are you eating anything at the moment? No,
2: I'm looking at what people are saying online, and, you know, you love or hate these Slot stories. People are just really vicious. They're saying Slot is sick, and if Slot's sick, then we're all sick. You can't determine a person's sanity from a few amusing stories. If anything, Slot's more sane than any of us. Well, certainly as crazy as one of us, but, you know, we're all kind of crazy town banana pants. So let me talk to you about crazy town banana pants. Look, what? I'm just saying it's been a crazy year for everyone. Who among us hasn't had the odd banana in his or her pants? I know <laughs> I have. Wow.
4: Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris,
1: follow that. <laughs> well, there Bertoni goes with the crazy town <laughs> banana pants thing again. <laughs> I mean, he's been on this podcast for, what, like a year or two or something, and and every single time he does that. And what's really upsetting me is now it's rubbed off on me, and I'm saying it all the time, and everybody else is getting sick of it, and it's just spreading like a disease. And, you know, for Tony, it's been a long time coming, but i got to say, quit with the banana pants. (laughs)
3: Stop wearing them.
4: Yeah, I've I've actually gone back to all 200 plus shows and and inserted Crazy Town, Banana Pants, and all of Bertone's sayings. So if you go back to the back episodes, I say it quite often, only retroactively. Uh, let's see, Don, how's your
3: pants? Uh, my pants are on at least for now. I can't promise anything. Are they Crazy Town? Uh, they're my work pants. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in honor of uh, bit, bro, yeah. well, in honor of um, Valentine's Day, and also in honor of Jr.'s uh, appreciation for my use of language in my 700 review, I have responded in kind with a poem that I that I've written that I call oh. "Ode to Jr." Oh, Jr.'s <laughs> got a poem written about him. I love it. Hit it done. Okay. Oh no, it's fast again. <laughs> Out of the night that covers him, black as the pit from pole to pole. Let us all give thanks to Jr. for his vast knowledge, the Spider-Yoda, and his unconquerable soul.
1: In the felt <laughs> of
3: Bad Story's circumstance, he has not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of clones, reboots, and robot parents, his head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond the Spider-Man's world of wrath and tears looms the specter of one more day. But in the minutes of Bad Story's years, you shall always find Jr. unafraid. It matters not how old his age... How charged with punishments the Spider Man scroll. J. R. is the master of our fates. J. R. is the captain of our souls. <laughs> I tell you.
2: That was
6: beautiful.
5: And, and, and all the you know, in all the years where I've engaged in battles of wits with people and stuff, I think I just got served about as hard
3: as I've ever been <laughs> It's the banana pants, I mean. <laughs> <is. laughs> this, this, well, this story was not at all ripped off from Invictus. It would, have, it would wow. have broken
5: my realissimitude if it hadn't been broken already. But, uh. Oh, poor
2: Chris. He had to sign off and on again real quick for a Skype, oh. and he missed that. Uh, <laughs> I tell
5: you, <laughs> you what, you need to print that off and mail it to JR.
4: <laughs> I'll
5: have to do
2: that. Uh, the are going to start writing fan fiction now.
5: Oh, wow. no, I I've obviously seriously underestimated Don. I'm gonna to have to keep a very uh, appropriate distance from him in the future. He's 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 become very frightening to me.
4: That was the very first JR fan fiction. More <Awesome>. Oh, my goodness. Okay, gang, we're going to start the show a little bit differently. We're going to do message board questions first because not all the panelists can stay for the epic three-day marathon, which we call a recording. Uh, Steve J. Rogers from New York City has one for Chris, otherwise known as Chris D'Adamus. Uh, what's this month's Powerball numbers? And, well, now that it happened, how would you do the eventual return of Peter to his rightful body?
1: I, I think I would – what I think they're going to do and I think what I would want to see happen is for Peter's personality to sort of reassert itself as Doc Ock stews in his memories and Peter's influence gets stronger and have sort of Doc Ock's personality sort of fade away and have Peter's fade back in. I think that would be the most interesting way to do it and ha- blur the line between the two personalities a little bit for a while.
4: How do, how do we get Doc's body out of – into another body?
1: Mystic ninjas.
4: Oh, all right, <laughs> been yeah. done. And and <laughs> if we, Zach, you were talking about this the the previews for the what is it May issues? Yes. Hint, hint that uh, it may be coming to an end. The Superior Spider-Man.
0: Right, right. Which which you know we've never been lied to in the solicitations, but yeah, uh, it sure. has it has the single greatest cover I've seen of Marcos Martín with the Yeah. Brain, Agreed. And, like, it's like it says the superior Spider-Man, the brain, and you got Little Peter and you know Doc Ock fighting in there. Yeah. So it's a fun, it's a fun cover, very Dickish.
4: Yep, uh, Kevin, do you think we'll see a Midnight Suns reunion or a new version of the group in the Morbius title?
6: Uh, absolutely not. From what I've seen from the title so far, and from everything I've heard from Joe Keating, uh, he's. Not really interested in the other supernatural characters or the more supernatural aspect of Morbius. He seems to be trying to distance himself as much as possible from previous Morbius stuff, uh, which kind of makes you wonder why they're doing a Morbius comic to begin with. But no, I don't think there's any chance we're going to see the Midnight Suns or really any of them in the title.
4: A shame. Chris, who are you putting in the oven? What the hell? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> are you doing
3: dishes? <laughs>
1: I'm I'm not do, doing anything. Are you, it's, well, that, he, that, that we think. You know.
3: He just got <laughs> shoved
6: in the
4: oven. Apparently it his wife like shut tank, him up. Making dishes or something. I'm just. I don't know,
1: yeah. I, I don't know what you guys are talking one, like, about. Broke uh. in and
2: said, "Shut this guy up." No, that's, that's,
1: that's my girlfriend doing dishes in the background. Actually, um, all <laughs> right. Shut up? I'll, I'll, I'll mute when I'm not talking.
4: God. <laughs> Man, someone's in the doghouse, someone's in the dog. I would lo- I would buy Midnight Suns comic, Kev.
1: Yeah. I really would. I would I think write
6: it. Awesome.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you would write it. I, all right. Josh, besides slots running down some of the, could they be the Hobgoblin characters recently, what are some of your other favorites or infuriating examples of a writer trying too hard to tie into past continuity?
1: Well, uh,
2: one of my favorite and infuriating ones together is the Marla Madison-created Spider Slayers one, and, um, I joke about that because you know back in I guess it was two thousand and six yeah because it was civil war no no that was was civil war well civil war ran through like just oh five and oh six I think or was it a it doesn't matter what year oh, it is seven, I think. yeah yeah uh, yeah it must have been because a brand new day anyway they had the scene where um, uh, She Hulk just married John Jameson and they're having lunch um, with she's having lunch with her new in laws. And she's it's there's an awkward silence. So, uh She Hulk says, So, how did uh you know, you and Marla meet? And Marla's like, Oh, it's a funny story. Jonah hired me to create spider slayers to kill Spider Man. Now that was that was continuity, that fit the scene and it was funny, it was an awkward moment. Then in the first issue of Big Time, Marla Madison's screaming, Why does everyone always forget I'm a scientist? I created Spider Slayers that wasn't a good example of using it and it was the same writer and the thing is why would Marla Madison when she's trying to remind people she's a scientist bring up that she created spider slayers wouldn't she say you know I had tenure at ESU or I had this paper published is spider slayers really like the crowning moment of her career and then a few issues later when spider slayers were actually attacking everyone Marla Madison tells Aunt May that she made spider slayers now that fits the scene and fits the moments, but at that point that's the third time that slot used used it, and that was like a few months after the first time that he did it in Big Time, and then in that dream issue that everybody loves, I'll never forget seeing this, the ghost of Marla Madison comes back (laughs) to tell Peter, I created Spider Slayers, Big, Big Time is like six months old at this point, and we've had three Marla Madison has created Spider Slayer moments in there, so if you ever hear me joke about that, that's why.
4: That's funny. I like the, was it SWAT? That wrote the She-Hulk when he married. She married uh, John Jameson. Oh yeah, yeah, I love
2: slot She-Hulk rhyme. I did. I did too. Awesome.
4: I thought it was very funny when in the scene where Jennifer Walters, who changed her last name to Jameson, became Jenna Jameson. She realized that's her name. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> and then in that, in that
2: story that I was talking yeah. before, like Jameson gets the original Spider Slayer from issue twenty-five of Amazing, yeah. and he like uses it to attack She-Hulk, and then like. Uh Marlin, John Jameson are watching the whole thing. That that was fun stuff.
4: Uh next question aimed at JR. When was the last time you read the satellite spidey titles regularly? I hate that word. Regularly. <laughs> I can't say it very well. If it's ever in a script that I have to read on air, I will change it to usually or something like that. And was there a reason besides monetarily good God, that sounds just like <laughs> <laughs> God, what do you what are you Doctor Seuss, Steve Rogers? <laughs> Oh, good Lord. When was the last time you read satellite spidey titles and was there was a reason besides money and space <laughs> issues that stopped checking them out on a continued basis?
5: I was about to say hey, s- hey, Brad, GR,
4: what was the last time you picked up some satellite shit?
5: Well I was about to say, Brad, if you think you're having trouble with regularity now, just wait till you get older. Uh, <laughs>
4: What an imp- nice, nice, uh, nice.
5: When was the last time? I, I tell you, Steve. Um, probably uh, when brand new day started. Uh, for number for a number of reasons. One, because uh, for a while then there were no sp- satellite titles, uh, because everything was Amazing Spider Man. Um, but it was it was it was a combination of, of the two that you mentioned uh, and quality. Um, I I just. I, you know, I just, I, I vapor locked at spending $4 for a comic book. I mean, you know, I just, I, I got it, I got other things to spend my money on and, you know, and it's like, it's like here I get on my wife for all kinds of things, you know, and then what's that? Oh, it's a $4 comic book that I read in about five minutes on the crapper, you know, <laughs> so it, it's, it's all of those things. But, but yeah, if the quality was better, it might be worth it, but uh, no, they're, they're just not worth it anymore, Steve.
4: One of the last ones that you bought that I remember you upset about, Jr., was that what Great Power miniseries. Remember that one?
5: Oh yeah, I get that was yeah.
4: bad. That oh, was bad.
5: And, and, yeah, that's where the quality comes in. I mean, they were awful, yeah. awful.
4: Yep. And not that Marvel Team Up was that great back in the eighties and seventies either, but
5: well, <laughs> no, that was a lot. That was a lot different. You weren't. You weren't. I mean, you know, if you go back to inflation, you weren't spending the money on those that you are now. You know, I mean, even though a quarter and 50 cents was a lot to me when I was a kid and had no job, uh, you know, you could spend a quarter and be modestly entertained or even not be entertained and not felt like you'd been ripped off. Nowadays, it's like if you if you if you paid four dollars for, you know, Stalker from the Stars, you know, you wouldn't be amused. (laughs) You'd be furious.
4: Abul Aziz from the location dot dot dot. Everyone. Why was Michelini's Humbug Issues funny? Give your favorite moments of the Humbug issues. Where are Humbug issues? There was one in Web, but I don't remember the story that well. There Do you guys a, remember Humbug issues? There oh, was yeah. an Orkin Man um, public
0: service. In a, like it was like an Orkin Man It had Spider Man on one side and the Orkin Man on the other, and it was it had it guest starred Humbug. That was my only exposure to the character, and it was yeah. it was ridiculous. I,
4: I can't remember Humbug. Jr., you remember Humbug for Tony? I remember him, but I don't remember
2: like having a big impression on those issues.
5: Meaning the J.R.? Yeah, I remember him, but uh, not with a whole lot of detail, now. Yeah. Well, right, sorry. you him up. You stumped the panel. Orkin it man? It's like
4: Johnny Cruz <laughs> would stump the band.
5: A
2: bullet uh, easier check is in the mail. You've won.
4: No uh, Brad, Betty Ross married a guy named Ramon back in the 80s, but then she dumped him with no divorce and married Bruce. Then dumped Ramon again. <laughs> Poor bastard. What happened to that Ramon guy? Two words. Hulk smash Ramon. That's three words. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't remember Ramon, nor do I remember Humbug. What the hell? <laughs> okay, I know,
2: I know from Comic Osmosis, like just from reading that Betty was married to Glenn Talbot.
4: Yeah, she was. Yeah, I remember Glenn. I don't remember Ramon. Was his last name Noodle? <laughs> okay, come on, that was funny. Ramon Noodle. Okay, never
3: mind. Did she married three times?
4: Yeah, she, she I was guess. A, <laughs> what a <laughs> what a housewife. I mean, man. I have no clue what happened to Ramon. Um, That might have been the time where he went after – where the Hulk got his brain back in the 80s and got a pardon, etc. But I can't remember that. Got his brain back.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Octopus took it over. He's been doing a lot of that. It was Crazy Town Banana (laughs) Pants.
3: Hey,
4: Ava, do you remember Hulk? Say yes. Oh, Ava just walked in. She wanted to be on the recording. Oh. Do you remember Hulk when she married Ramon? The Red She-Hulk? Do you remember her? No. All right. I think she See? Bye-bye. You going to go have fun? Okay. <laughs> All right. None of us remember Roman Noodle. Not no, even no. Ava,
2: who's, like, read every single Hulk issue.
4: Exactly. True. Bye-bye. Uh, Josh and Don, everyone considered Spider-Man a menace and Amazing twenty two, including the Human Torch. You guys ever made make fun of that coming out of nowhere?
3: Well, we made fun of a lot of things coming out of nowhere. You know, uh, when we were going over those issues on Classics uh, twenty two is actually the Circus of Crime issue where I uh, where I read out. Uh, I think the clowns like it calls Princess Python a no good double crossing <laughs> female. <laughs> I th-
2: I, th- I think he's talking about the previous issue though, which actually had the Human Torch.
3: Yeah, because at the end, the uh, Peter goes emo and, and, like says, everybody hates me but loves the Human Torch. Why can't I show them my identity until, you know, Civil War? But um, I'm sure we did. If we didn't, then we're making fun of it now. What I remember
2: about that issue is, like, there's a part where the Human Torch is looking for Peter Parker. And he finds him just by walking around because New York, everyone knows that New York's only, like, three blocks. And I remember he's, like, there. <laughs> I knew if I walked around long enough, I would find him. And I'm like, well done, Stanley. You know, that that sure explains it.
3: <laughs> I love that issue
4: JR give us a rating for our Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number 2 and to it's chopped up reprint in annual 9 that was a, uh, I love the magazine that was
5: awesome that well you know uh, I I first came across that story in it's uh, chopped up uh, annual number 9 um, I, I think I told a story in one of my articles about how I swapped a couple of Batmans to the barber for it and it was always one of my favorite Green Goblin stories I always gave it a you know I always gave it an A although when I read it anymore some of the dialogue is pretty darn creaky uh, but uh, but you know and I'd always wanted the more complete version and but anytime I had anytime I ever saw it uh it was always a, a a grossly inflated price and so I never bought it and I'd always wanted it and then as a result of a uh, uh John Wilson actually hooked me up with a uh, a copy of it <laughs> not a real one but anyway but uh for a a podcast that never happened because Spider-Man Classics decided to go gently into that good night um and I was very disappointed because really it added nothing to what I had already read you know I mm-hmm. I I, had, I certainly enjoyed the this the chopped up version and when I got the full version it was like well okay there's some extra splash panels there's some extra you know you know Peter agonizing and everything But it really added nothing to it. Um, The only thing that kind of seems ironic now is uh, when you look at it is there's a scene that was in this magazine that didn't make it into the uh, annual where Peter is going to pick up Gwen uh, to take her to this party of Norman Osborns. uh, And uh, he's thinking to himself, how can I subject this gorgeous creature to the Green Goblin? And yet I must. And then like all kind of, about two or two or three different stories occurred after I read that, so that's kind of my that's kind of ironic and amusing but but overall uh no i uh, I can't say that the uh the extended version is any better. I like the short choppy version just as much yeah, the first time I read it was
4: in a reprint also <clears throat> back in the mid eighties uh marvel tales that's where i did that's back in the day that's where you read your reprints of Spider-Man if you missed any and uh back in the mid eighties. Marvel Tales went off in a little bit of a different direction. They had originally been reprinting each issue of Amazing Spider-Man, like from Marvel Tales 137 on. <clears throat> but right before they got to the 200th issue of Marvel Tales, they split off and started doing, like, Marvel team-up reprints, etc. And for about 13 issues, Marvel released a Spider-Man Comics Magazine Digest. And it was in the size of the things that you see at the checkout aisle of, um, for Archie Comics like when you see all the the National Enquirer stuff that right around where the bubblegum is and Marvel tried to hit that market and they released it I'm looking at it right now the issue was Marvel Comics Magazine 1987 Digest number 12 it was released in July of 1988 and that was it was a very very small comic and that it was reprinting a very very large comic so that was all the artwork was a little squished etc but I remember reading that and I was just amazed cuz I'd never read that and I actually own the very first Spectacular spider man magazine from the sixties, but I never was able to buy the second one, and the second one's probably probably the it the more it's probably the better story of the two so Jerry, what would have happened if they would have had a spider man original magazine and would would have went past two issues I mean what do you think the character would have done in the late sixties
5: oh i i I don't know yeah. I don't think it would have been any different uh yeah no, it, it would have wound up being, a, it would have wound up being just another Spider-Man satellite title. Uh, yeah. but it's, the fact is they were two entirely different formats, uh, that it, it tended to capture different, uh, parts of the market. I, I'm not sure that we can really say that, uh, or, or really say anything much. Um, what I always found ironic though was in the, when Spider-Man, uh, the first movie came out, um, that this story was never reprinted or re-released. I thought oh, this is a perfect Spider-Man Green Goblin story. You know, it's self-contained, uh, it, but it has you know, but you know what's going on, and I'm trying to think of what they reprinted instead, but they didn't reprint this, and I, I and I don't know why. It, it seems like it uh, of all the stories, it doesn't seem to show up very often.
2: Yeah, like, a lot a of the el- a lot of the elements from it were in the animated series episode Turning Point.
5: Exactly. Beautiful.
4: Yeah, it's, that's a great. Yeah.
3: episode. it's a, it's a that's a great story. I like when I you uh, put the web fluid into the, into the fire, and that burns the house down to run
4: away. <laughs> Let's see. Zach, not sure I've ever heard you think, get your thoughts on how the Clone Saga should have really happened, and your thoughts of how it lives to the saga published in the 1990s.
0: Oh, Dude, dude, dude. I reviewed it on this very website. I had Howard Mackey show up to the first review. I, I don't know how you missed that, but anyway i'll I'll give you my, three three, my <laughs> thoughts um the basically it, it was a kind of an extended outline um for the backstory that's how it should have been quote unquote but i uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly i thought I thought it was some of Todd Knox's best artwork on spider man um really made me like his artwork even more uh he br- they brought in so many little elements and teases and we got to see some things that in that story that we didn't get to see in the original clone saga, such as Peter and Ben running around in their Spider Man uniforms. Each each not, not oh, yes. a spider uniform, but 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 the Spider Ben and and, and uh, the amazing Spider Man uniform. So I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed enjoyed it for what it was. I was hoping that we'd see more of Ben Riley uh, spinning off from that mini series but um, it didn't happen, but we got Kane instead. So i I'm, I'm I'm happy now than I was back then, but uh, it was a great series. I think I gave it an average of 4.5 out of 5. Uh, for this fan, it was absolutely everything that I could have possibly wanted.
4: I think um, back in the day after it was released, I emailed Todd DeFalco and asked if um, any more Ben Riley was coming out after that. And he said him and Howard Mackey pitched a, a solo series for Ben Riley, but it was turned down.
0: Yeah, I so, think we actually talked about it on yeah. the show,
4: Brad. Yeah. If I'm
0: remembering
4: correctly. And I, I was just reminded by that because I went to, like, the Wikipedia page or something, and I'm, I'm quoted, my whole email is quoted in the Wikipedia page of the Clone Zag, or maybe it's Ben Riley's entry or something like that. I was like, wow, that's weird.
6: Oh,
4: I <laughs> now. And now I'm quoted on Wikipedia. <laughs> the source for everything correct. Uh, the group, uh, 700 issues of Amazing, 200 issues of Spec. 100 issues plus of Marvel Team-Up, 129 issues of Web. Rank the 100th landmark issues from your favorite to least favorite. 11 issues to sort. Oh, God. No. (laughs) (laughs) Six hours later. (laughs) <laughs> no, wait, what's the best of all of them uh, the I, think it, I think he
2: wants us to rank like all 11 of the centennial issues
4: oh god like 100, 200, 300 400, 500, 600, 700 yeah that's not going to happen but we can maybe tell you our Jesus. top two
6: favorite and our least favorite
4: yeah that that's fine
6: <laughs> um, for my part let's say I haven't read there's several of them I haven't read mm-hmm. so I couldn't do that to begin with but um, spectacular number 200 and Amazing Spider-Man number 400, um, not surprisingly both written by J.M. um, are probably my favorite of the Centennial issues. Honestly, as much as I love JMS, um, I, I wasn't all that big on number 500. I thought it was okay. It just wasn't great. Uh, and, of course, the past two Centennial issues haven't really done it for me.
4: Um, I like 300 at a lot. I like 400 a lot of Amazing uh, I like Spec 2. Is that the one where. Yeah, that's Harry issue, yeah. 200, yeah. 200, I like a lot. Marvel Team Up number 100, was it the X Men one? That I don't even remember. I think that was a Frank Miller cover. So I don't no, really that care. was
5: the Fantastic Four.
4: It was a fan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With car- karma. Intro karma. Karma. Yeah. Karma, 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 karma. What, and, uh, and, I don't,
5: <laughs> I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I just, you know, we're talking about JMS and this one, you know, where Straczynski uh, wrote that, you know, had Moreland hit Spider-Man harder than he's ever hit before. Marvel yeah. team up has a classic issue where uh, the thing clocks Spider-Man and says something because Karma's taken over over his body, and Spider-Man attacked Sue, and the thing said, like, well, you'll have plenty of time to, you know, to think about what you've done when you wake up, and then just clocks him, and and knocks him him (laughs) completely out, but, but he'd never been hit harder than Moreland, though, remember. Somebody's bitter.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think we're good on that question. Uh, Iron Patriot from China. To Don, would you like to see more superhero movies adapt the techniques of comic books, like the visual tricks of the Spider Sense, the multiple panels and text boxes, etc.?
3: Um, no, because movies and comic books are completely different mediums, and I think that uh, you can adapt the different stories. But when you try to make them what they're not, you kind of lose something. Um, I was talk I was watching like the Dark Knight Returns Part Two with my brother last night, and we were both saying like that's like the darkest Batman movie there can ever possibly be. <laughs> And the way they got away with it is because it was animated. So Because comics are kind of you know basically cartoons in print form. So you can't really try to have live-action things try to be comic books because otherwise it just looks kind of odd. I think there are ways to make the Spider-Sense a lot more apparent. Like In, in The Amazing Spider-Man, there's always that sort of like weird tingling sound effect, even when uh, they didn't actually comment on it. But they could probably that's, – that's sort of like terms of like Spider-Man's powers. But making like the little Dutch angles or multiple panels or whatever I think would be kind of intrusive.
4: One of the only things I liked from the Ang Lee Hulk movie was he tried to do comic panels as Dissolves, which I thought that was neat. There was multiple action happening on the screen in little comic panels, and I thought that was kind of neat and an homage to comic books. But otherwise, yeah, they're two different mediums. Film does things better than comics and vice versa. Viper, that is how I roll. I
3: love that avatar
4: <laughs> that you have, a Spider-Man in a ball rolling down a hill. Love it. He's from Johannesburg, South or Africa. <laughs> Finally caught up on all the January podcasts, so if there have been any already been asked, apologies. My first one's to BD, given how Dan Slott has been bashing the crawl space for the last few years. Would you ever consider interviewing him for a podcast again or Steve Wacker in the future? Kevin, at this stage, which is your... <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Would I, well,
3: would
4: I interview Dan Slott and would I interview Steve Wacker? Yes, I guess I would. Um, yes, but yeah, that that'd be kind of awkward. I don't know. I'd, I, I've um... well, when I met them in San Diego.
2: I mean, there was it was it was fine. I mean, Slot said during one of the fights with Crawl Space. Um, and this isn't anything private or whatever. He this was like a public like message board post. He says that he would never interview with Crawl Space again if I asked him at a convention, but. I mean, maybe maybe he's calmed down. If I see him at San Diego, I'll ask him, and if he says no, he says no, but gosh darn it if I'm not going to try.
4: I've actually – here's a little behind the curtain. I actually, after 700, um, I wrote both of them an email, and I I said that I know we've had some defense agreements over the years, but uh, I liked 700 a lot. Uh, Continued success. And Steve Weicker wrote back and and said thank you and hope the family's well, blah, blah, blah. And – Slot never wrote back. So I think I could get in a wackery interview <laughs> over a Slot interview. Just, uh, that's my, assignment. that was the interview. That was the interview. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, Slot, no comment. Well, my yeah. well, wacker gave Don and I cookies. Right, but they were laced. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he, he
2: joked on CBR like a year later. He's like, I spit in those cookies. But I mean, message board. I'm assuming that message board Steve Wacker is different than convention interview Steve Wacker. Don't be so
0: sure. I would. would kind of like uh, Dan Slot. You know, interview
4: interview Dan Slot's different than the message board Dan Slot and Twitter Dan Slot. Who, who knows, Kevin? At this stage, the answer to your question is yes. I would interview both of them if given the opportunity. I don't know if it's, would we recuperate, recoup,
3: recoup, (laughs) anyway.
4: Who talks for a living? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On a Saturday. At this stage, Kevin, what is your view as the better vampire comic, Morbius or iVampire? Oh, come on.
6: It's iVampire.
4: Here's the difference. We only have an issue of Morb, though. Okay, let me compare
6: Morbius number one to just iVampire number one. All right, then. iVampire number one is a good comic.
4: <laughs>
6: Moving on. Crap.
4: Damn. JR, cold this as ice. Uh, it's cold as ice. Isn't I
5: Vampire getting canceled though?
4: Yes, it is. But, no, it is.
6: but you know, no. I Vampire is getting canceled at like number what? 17 maybe. I don't think Morbius is going to make it there personally.
4: <laughs> oh, that's so sad to hear you. Say I really
6: that. don't. I mean, it's I want to like the comic. I, you know, I'm, give, I'm trying to give him as much of the benefit of the yep. doubt as I can, yep. but...
4: Give issue a chance. Give it a chance. Uh, yeah,
6: I mean, it, it's Morbius. I'm going to keep buying it.
4: <laughs> I liked it in issue 12 when Kevin Cushing took over the title. I think it like, sounds good. <laughs> of- uh, J.R. since Dan Slot hinted at Osborne disappearing from the hospital at ASM 697. Do you think it's just a matter of time till Norman resurfaces in Spider-Man's life? Superior otherwise, or do you think he's on his way back to menacing the greater Marvel U?
5: um i think that uh i think slot has been wanting to use norman um and uh, has not been able to i think i thought i read that somewhere but he's not really been able to because norman's fate's been kind of wrapped up in what bendis has been doing with the avengers uh i think bendis is done with norman uh because i think bendis is the one who drives the marvel universe these days and uh oh I was about to say, I hadn't seen those solic- solicitations yet, Chris. Yeah, uh,
1: gee, he's, he's the no, he, maybe they, po- have
5: they the haven't course. come out, but Chris has just seen into the future again.
1: So the solicitations are out, and it says the Green Goblin is back in Superior Spider-Man number 10. No, we're recording this
2: on um, the 5th of February. Solicitations won't come out for another few days.
5: Chris is seen
4: into the future.
5: No, I... I, I... I think he's the other question. I think he's done menacing the Marvel Universe for a while. The uh, so.
4: Chris has also seen that Kevin will be writing the Morbius title. <laughs> uh, What's gonna like grade himself poorly on the podcast
2: when he does better stuff.
4: <laughs> His other question to JR: What the hell was up with Bald Harry in six ninety? That sounds bad. Bald Harry Osborne in AMC <laughs> seven. Harry ain't Harry that's
5: no more. <laughs> well, obviously he'd been watching too much Breaking Bad on AMC and said, "Hey, that's a look <laughs> that I like." He got tired of people picking on his hair and saw that show and say, "I'll go with that." But your guess yeah. is as good as mine. I, uh, if you listen to the podcast, I don't think what Harry's doing or uh, right now makes any sense whatsoever.
4: Wonder if Harry Osborn's chest hair is like that? Oh, damn it, man! <laughs> chest cornrows. I must. I, I must.
2: Cornrows.
5: I must what confess. Else? As as much as I follow the Osborns over the years, their, their <laughs> chest hair has never really come up. No, like he's
3: he's a he's like a, he's like a wet seal. He doesn't have any chest hair. Yeah. You see
2: Harry um, naked, you know, but there's steam covering his, uh, you know, little Osborns in um, Spectacular Spider-Man. I think it's one ninety-nine. It, it's 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 a uh, it's it's from that run where he like no, goes and no
4: his- row chest hair, huh? Cornrow right, chest <laughs>
3: hair. <laughs> I've heard it what all. the
4: so nice far. Don, what Dibbz incarnation do you <laughs> consider the best? The original Dibbz or Dibbzukai? Uh, the original Dibbz. Alright. How would you react to the DBC crossover movie with any of the Marvel
3: animated series? Horrible (laughs) idea, because the DBC characters would kill all the Marvel animated characters. Although... Uh, I'm interested to see how the Iron Man uh, anime would, would interact. With that. that actually looks pretty cool, although I'm not – Do you like the Marvel anime? I I couldn't take it. I've, I, I know I've watched this before, but like the only one I've seen so far is the uh, Wolverine one, which I didn't really care for. I would like to see the Wolver- the, the X-Men one because that looks like it has a lot more possibilities, and I know that, that they've introduced that character into the comics, like that new character. But um, honestly, I would like to see a Spider-Man animated series, and I'm not joking because I think they have, have really good possibilities with how he how he moves in uh, you know during wave and stuff. That would be kind of cool.
6: What new characters you... from the anime X Men? Uh,
3: there's a new character. That, well, they have uh, Beast, uh, Storm, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Xavier, and a White Queen, I think. I think, White Queen. And there's a new character. I, I don't know her name. It's a Japanese girl who, like, she kind of has this, like, uh, force field uh, power. That...
1: That, that character's not new. That that character was in Joss Whedon's Astonishing Run. Yeah. Her oh. name's Armor.
3: Yeah. Well, oh, col- call her me, embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Color me
4: bad. Uh, Zach, do you know if there's any connection between the Marvel Cosmic Entity Skryer and the cabal of the Skryers that uh, Norman Osborn was affiliated with around the time of the Clone Saga? Yes. <laughs> All <laughs> right, <is> Chris. <laughs> 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 I'll,
0: I'll, I'll elaborate further. They uh, basically worship oh, they the, scry- the original Skryer. Um, it was uh, later retconned, I believe, in the return of the Green Goblin miniseries. JRR, you might have to correct me on that. That uh, they had been a part of the – they had kind of worshipped oh, that yeah. guy, and that Norman, Norman Osborne took over as their deity, so to speak. And and so, yes, there is a connection between the character that f- appeared in Silver Surfer, and, and I think they also talked about this in Life of Riley as well, and uh, the Squire organization.
4: I did not know that. Uh, Chris Bertone in the panel. Uh, after the ends of the earth, Madame Webb told Spider Man that Silver Sable was alive, but yet she appeared in issue seven hundred with the rest of the Dead Supporting Cast. What up with that?
1: That was just Peter hallucinating. I don't think that was really the afterlife. Yeah, 100.
4: I I've
2: seen a lot of people ask this question and I'm really surprised how many people like took it literally that like Peter died and went to heaven and that that, that wasn't a hallucination.
6: Well, I think it was I think people take it that way because it was suggested in the issue itself, because when he comes back, you have, what's his ass, uh, Trapster, was it? Trickster? Um, saying, yeah. oh, he was, he was dead for six minutes. Yeah, but...
2: I really don't listen,
6: Josh, but <laughs> I really
2: I really don't think that Heaven is is a Humberto Ramos, you know, splash page of supporting characters.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would
4: say... Man, there goes my... The comic itself,
6: because of the Dead for Six Minutes, suggests that it actually was Heaven. The only reason we're saying it's not is because it wasn't good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Ouch, Why why is Nathan Labinsky... In heaven, still paralyzed. <laughs> <Which is good. laughs> it's heaven, and
2: um, well, because Nathan Levinsky was a gambler, if you recall. So, like, when he got to heaven, he did some gambling, and he uh, <laughs> he, he owed the bookies a bunch of like heaven money, and they broke his legs again. You Dude, it's, it's heaven.
4: It's, it's
2: not the island from Lost. It's just heaven. <laughs>
3: St. up yeah. broke his leg. That,
6: that's why
2: Captain Stacy's pushing him, because Captain Stacy's, like, you know, investigating this bookie operation, so... See, he, he, he and Nathan Levinsky are having all these adventures in heaven in the background of that scene, and...
3: Oh, my gosh. Really, Make that a title. For I really me. want to see a
2: miniseries, you know, of, of these bookies in heaven breaking old people's legs.
3: This shit writes itself.
2: Wow.
4: <laughs> You've heard of <laughs> Highway to Heaven, it's, Bookies to Heaven, starring Michael Landon, Nathan Levinsky. It's crazy town banana pants. <laughs> Wombat, 909, UK, do all. Anyone who I've told about the current storyline in Superior, they act with uncertainty and think it's silly. Have you told anyone about the current direction? If so, what has been their reactions to it?
2: Is this to all of us?
4: Yep. Go ahead.
2: Um, sometimes, you know, at work I have to read stuff to the kids, and they, if they pick comics on the Kindle, I've I've read 698 to some of them. And they, they kind of get confused, like, because it's Spider-Man saying no to Dr. Octopus at the end, like, no, you know, I'm Peter Parker now. So it, generally it's been confusion, but that's just because they're not used to comics.
4: I, I Several people at work were like, did you hear? Because it made the, the Wire and made several news outlets. Spider-Man died. I'm like, he did last year. He'll get better. <laughs>
1: and, they, and they were like, oh, okay.
4: So that's been
1: generally the non-readers. Can, can I answer this question? Yeah, go ahead. So I was at my neighbor's apartment, um, who is a friend from law school, and I, want, I read this question. I wanted to see her reaction. So I'm like, hey, what would, you, how, what would your reaction be if I told you that in Superior Spider-Man, and then she's like, I don't care. And I'm like, no, wait, just <laughs> let me just say this and then tell me your reaction. I don't care. Well, no, just let me say this. Spider-Man's enemy possesses his body and jacks off. and And I don't think she said anything
4: (laughs) oh check please I'm so done (laughs) that was the best summary of superior number two I've ever heard oh my god that was insanely funny oh wow Next question to Zach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to follow
0: that up.
4: <laughs> oh, Zach, no. Follow that. Oh, sloppy seconds for Zach. Kane versus Spock. Who wins? Also with the Scarlet Spider moniker, moniker, moniker being taken by Kane at the moment, if Ben Riley came back to life and donned the webs again, what would he call himself?
0: You can never make fun of me for stumbling on the words ever again after this. Show. No,
4: no, no. Hit it. <laughs> okay. Hit it.
0: Uh Who broke whose neck?
4: I rest my case.
6: Damn. <laughs> Burn. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so Kane wins versus Spock. Yeah. All right. You kidding? All right. What does, Scar- what does Ben Riley call himself if Scarlet Spider's taken? Oh, 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 oh. I, you know,
0: I, I I really don't know what he would call himself. The Steel Spider? But that's taken. Um,
6: yeah. I, I believe he would call himself Scarlet Spider and kick Kane's ass.
0: That's... <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And how would would
4: Kane fight back is the question.
6: Uh, I don't know. This version of Kane might just go off and call himself something different.
4: (laughs) I think, uh, because he doesn't really care for the name anyway.
6: Well, they already
0: have a logo for Kane, if you remember uh, Mark of Kane, I believe, Part
4: 1. Like, Web 121. yeah Yeah. They've got a logo, so... Uh, Chris, when you first predicted Doc Ock taking over Peter's body, were there any stories or ideas that came to mind that you wanted to see take place?
1: Well, I think I answered this or a related question already, but basically, I just sort of want to see Doc Ock being changed by Peter's memories in a more natural and gradual way than what we saw in number 700, and just sort of have that keep happening until eventually Peter's personality sort of becomes dominant. Mm-hmm.
4: I'm still laughing at what you said with your neighbor, uh, or no, your law friend, or what, who who did you say that both, to? Both
1: both my neighbor and my law school friend. Oh
4: my god, Don! For someone who's never read a Spider-Man comic before but wants to start with Marvel now, what do you what do you think their reaction is going to be when they find out it's not the true Spider-Man under the mask?
6: Don's not here. He kind of said that in the text window.
2: Oh, we did. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. Be ignore me. Uh, Ignore me. All right. Sorry, wombat. We're gonna to have to ignore that. Um, uh,
2: I'll just I'll just answer like like yo, faux um science, um, yo.
4: <laughs> Josh, Are there any characters or events from Otto's history that you'd now like to be explored and superior?
2: Yes. Um, I'd like uh, Carolyn Trainer and uh, I don't remember what Stunner's real name was, but Stunner the was it like Angela something or the other? Zach, Zach do you remember what Stunner's real name was?
0: I'm looking it up because I forgot it. It was
2: it was fat chick. Let's we'll move on. Okay, yeah, yeah, fat chick. This guy's this hot chick. Um, I want them to come back because that was. In fact, they left that up in the air because she um like gave her life force or something from her hologram body. To like save him, and then you know you see Ock at the end like crying, you know, with her in his arms, and his face is, you know, just you could just tell by the look on his face that he won't rest until he brings Fat Chick disguised as Hot Chick out of (laughs) coma. And then
0: she. (laughs) Okay, okay. Fat Chick's name is Angela Okay.
4: B r
2: a n c a l e.
4: Well, I got Angela right. You know, uh, speaking of Ock's past memories in Superior Three, when he's doing, when they go back to that memory of him and the Vulture. Was that from Amazing Annual Number 1?
2: I think it's supposed to be, but I think, like, okay. Ock is in, you know, the costume that he wore during, like, the Ross-Andrew run. Right. But it's, like, the, it's the Sinister Six splitting up, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're each taking different rooms to fight Spider-Man, and that was the plot of um, Annual 1.
4: Right, right. That's what I, I thought of. Uh, and, you, well, we'll talk about it when we hit Superior 3. If, uh, Jr. if Norman was the one who switched bodies with Peter, what would be the first thing he'd do?
5: Well, uh, I did have a, uh, I had a line in mind, but Chris pretty well took that away. <laughs> uh, so I'm, so I'm not going to use that one. Uh, but uh, if if Norman, you know, which is kind of funny because if you read Spider Girl to the very end, Norman actually did take over Peter's body, uh, but he didn't do anything particularly interesting. Um, here, here's what I think Norman would do, which probably was does not jive with other people's interpretation of Norman. But I and it obviously would depend on the story. But knowing Norman like I do, I think Norman would go and mess up Peter's life to the extent the, the worst extent possible. He would go to Aunt May and say, you know what? I ruined my I wasted my life watching after you, you miserable old crone. Peter, get my meds. Peter, push my wheelchair. Peter, take me to the doctor. I just wish you'd. Die, yo bat. And then he'd go to Mary Jane and said, you know what? I only was interested in you because you were an easy lay. You know, <laughs> I, I, was co- I was coming off the rebound from Gwen. Now, there was a real woman, and you'll never match her. Uh, and, you know, he and then go to Flash Thompson and just beat him to within an inch of his life. Uh, and then he'd switch back and say, okay, Peter, <laughs> you can have your life back. So <laughs>
4: Norman definitely wouldn't want to go the hero route at all.
5: No, not not at this point. No. Not at this point. No. He definitely would not. No.
0: Wasn't he uh, is, I'm sorry. Go, I was, ahead, go I was, ahead. I was going to jump in. Wasn't he was supposed to be like repulsed by Phil York and he was supposed to be that's why Phil Urich was supposed to be the fifth green goblin cuz he had tarnished the legacy of the green goblin. Uh
5: well, uh, he it wasn't so much that he tarnished the legacy but he was he was using the name and the equipment uh and ba- you know he had basically stolen that from harry cuz it was harry's hideout that phil had uh well i want to say phil raided it phil just absolutely stumbled upon so it was norman norman was feeling that he le- that he had been stolen from so i don't know if it was a legacy issue or just kind of a, an ego issue
4: okay uh kev or no me uh inspired by the article kevin linked to on the front page when it comes to showing ava the spider-man movies would you start with the Raimi trilogy or the amazing spider-man and what age will ava have to be when she watches these as well uh she's already watched spider-man (laughs) one but i don't think she remembers it she's only two (laughs) um i don't think i don't think the spider-man movies are extremely violent um i i i think she could watch him if she wanted to. I think the, the amazing Spider-Man with the lizards kind of scary, maybe a little bit. But I think she's okay watching him. Uh, Kevin, say there was a Spider-Man TV show and you had the role of Peter Parker. After a couple of seasons on the show, the superior Spider-Man storyline is adapted into the series. You now have to play the part of Otto and in Peter's body. As an actor, what would you do to show the changes of Otto controlling Peter?
6: Well, I mean, at that point, you'd be playing a completely different character. So... When you start playing a character, you're going to build the physicality from the ground up. So basically, you have to forget everything you did as Peter, and then rebuild a completely new physicality for Otto. And then remember what you did as Peter to put on top of that Otto trying to do that, which makes for Mm. basically a performance as complex as Dominic Cooper in The Devil's Double, which, damn.
4: Wow, that sounds complicated. (laughs) 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 My God. Don, are you back? All right, sorry, Don. Uh, Eddie, or sorry, Wombat. Uh, Eddie, uh, is this Eddie D'Angelini?
2: No, Eddie D'Angelini's like, screen name is like Pump Funk and Junk or something like that.
4: Pump Funk My Junk? Oh, my God. <laughs> I <don't want> that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry that I assumed it was the Eddie one it said Eddie. Uh, let's see, I'm sure that uh, you've done before, but I would like to hear the whole panel's Sometime on favorite unsung Spidey creative teams. Right now, I personally am enjoying Matlow and Mooney on Spec Spidey. Okay, let's go around the horn real quick. Zach, unsung Spidey creative teams. Go. Oh,
0: I uh-huh. I think that uh, it had not been during the Clone Saga. I think uh, uh, what's his name? Oh no 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 no. no. Yeah. Salby Sima. Yeah, Butler. I was gonna say Butler, but he was working oh, yeah. with Cavanoff. Never mind. Uh, no, I will say this: unsung creative team of. Todd Dezago and um, uh, Mike Ringo. I think they were very uh, that that whole run on from uh, issue eight of Sensational all the way to the end was just pure fun. Uh,
1: I enjoyed it thoroughly. Chris, unsung maybe Paul Jenkins and um, Mark Buckingham, mm-hmm. um, maybe Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and all of the artists he wrote with. Or yep. yeah, Roberto. Yep.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to echo Chris's Roberto uh, Roberta Aguirre Sacosta. That that brings me back to the old episodes of Crawlspace. Where like yeah, he I
4: like this stuff too. Where you would like
2: make that girl pronounce his name and then you <laughs> <laughs> Spider Girl. Yeah. Um, and uh Kurt Busick and Pat uh Oliffey, oh Ol- 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 yeah. how do I say his name? But you know, you know Untold you know, Tales of Spider Man was like very, very good.
4: Yeah, I agree. Uh JR, who who do you like that isn't recognized very often?
5: Uh, well, I've talked a lot about Mantlo's run, liking that in the past, so I'll skip that one. But this is probably going to be unpopular with some people. But I really, I liked, while it was happening, the Howard Mackey slash John Romita Jr. run on uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man.
4: I'll give you that. I liked it too. Yeah. Don, are you back? Kevin! <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, I was actually going to say Mackey Romita Jr. on uh, pre-boot Peter Parker. Um, and also the Clone Saga era, those guys did great. Um, I'll also say the flip side to Zach's, Dan Juergens on Sensational Spider-Man from number zero through, was it six or seven? Six. Six. Um, it, it was only no. a couple issues, but I I loved what he did. Yeah.
4: Uh, Peter, well, Peter David's stuff on spec is pretty well regarded. How about anything Sal Buscema did on spec for like 100 plus oh issues? God. I don't think anybody gets – the. I don't think he gets the respect he deserves on that. I think that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sorry it's long. I started reading comics when I was about 10, and things are much more tame then. As my son has reached an age where I know he would love comics, I find myself going back to the comics of my youth because, frankly, the comics now are far too adult-oriented and the women so overtly sexualized that I don't really want to expose my son to them. Now, with Slot on Amazing, it's getting to be ridiculous. I am interested to hear, A, what the panel thinks of this trend with plot and comics in general, what other dads and guys wanting to be dads have to be have to say on this subject, and three, some suggestions on Marvel Comics that might be more appropriate for kids.
2: I think you have to know your kid, and know, you know, like, what's what they can handle, and like, because what's too mature for one eight-year-old, you know, it might just be right up the alley for a different eight-year-old, and, you know, you talk about, I wouldn't say that these comics are super inappropriate for kids, while the subject matter of issue two is a bit risque, there's nothing so overt in there that like, you know, a kid that doesn't know anything about um, making love to a woman or making love to yourself, they wouldn't be able to like figure that out by
4: reading the comic. <laughs> J.R., your dad, what's your thoughts on this? Do you, you let Spencer read Amazing or sp- Superior?
5: Well, right now he's not interested much more than video games. Uh but I've, I've thought about this, to be, and I tend to agree with, you know, uh, with Josh. Uh, a lot of it just depends on the kid. I I mean, and, and it's kind of like a, we discussed, I guess, sometimes sex and violence have always been part of drama because sex and violence is always part of what's of being human. Yeah. But what bothers me is when I it it's a fine line for example I let Spencer watch Family Guy for some strange reason for a while because I was being very lazy at parenting that was wrong not because of the dirty jokes but because he had no he had no ability to understand the context in which they were being told you know i mean and, and that was a mistake on my part cuz he couldn't possibly understand that none of this stuff is meant to be taken at face value. So that was a mistake on my part. But for the most part in comic books, what I find offensive is not sex and violence per se, but the fact that I get sometimes I get the impression that the artists involved are titillating or amusing them themselves at the expense of the story. And that comes across as more offensive to me than anything else, as opposed to, you know, if I draw Mary Jane this way, that'll get my rocks off, you know, or if I have this happen, that'll get me excited. That's the kind of stuff that bothers me.
4: Yeah. All right. uh, Let's see. Big Al. To everyone, can replacement characters like the Hobgoblin and Carnage coexist as Spider-Man villains with Norman and Venom, if they were still Spider-Man villains, could they perhaps become Scarlet Spider villains as a solution?
0: Well, we've already seen Carnage and Scarlet Spider go at it, unfortunately.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was a small
0: it was a small fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did there. yeah. But uh <laughs> well played, Brad. I, Thank you. I you know, you could spin them off as their own characters. Look, do I want to see Phil York Green Goblin in, in Scarlet Spider? Absolutely not. Um is there other characters that have appeared in the quote brand new verse? Um, or big time verse, uh, to coin a new phrase, that, that, that you know, hasn't really made in very many appearances in you know, rest of Spider Man? Absolutely. Do I think that, that uh Scarlet Spider needs his own rogues gallery? Absolutely. They've been trying to do that throughout the run. Um while still using continuity as as a as a fallback.
6: Well and um, Anna Craven had a good issue in Scarlet Spider, issue six.
0: Right. That was probably my favorite um my favorite appearance of Anna Craven, primarily because Kane's not running like a little bitch
4: like he did the first <laughs> time
0: he saw Anna Craven.
4: Yeah. Oh. Something they did with Venom that when Romender was writing it that I liked, they took uh, Spider-Man villains you haven't seen for a long time – and did something with them, like the jack-o'-lantern, and the the fly was in there, the human fly, and right. a couple others. And the and I, that, Master, who they made, Bennett
0: Brandt!
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that kind of stuff, I I dig. I think it's kind of cool that they did that. But, uh, right. Well, for
6: his specific question, though, I mean, for right yeah. now, they've solved the problem of <laughs> Venom and Carnage coexisting as villains, because Venom's not a villain anymore. I mean, Norman Osborn and the Hobgoblin haven't been coexisting as villains because Norman hasn't been a Spider-Man villain for years now. So uh, it really hasn't been much of a problem lately, but even when you do have them both together, I don't think it's a problem as long as you know how to tell the stories. I mean, there's been good stories that include both Venom and Carnage. There have been a lot of bad ones, too, but there have been good ones. And Norman and the Hobgoblin, I think... Uh, would be a fairly interesting thing because there's been so much time where it's either one or the other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just explain why Daniel Kingsley is dead.
4: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> to the Clone Saga expert, do you consider Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew the creators of Ben Riley, considering it was the '90s writers that made him the characters we recognize today?
0: I thought about this, and I, pro- I thought I should go to to Don and and to, to Bertoni for their thoughts first before I give mine. Don's been abducted by aliens.
4: (laughs) We Um, we need to go to Bertone. (laughs) Well, um, uh, I actually got this from Bailey,
2: who got this from Scott Garner, but we were on a Skype chat recently, and Bailey brought up a point that Scott Garner made. You know, there's all this stuff about arguing over who created the character based on the first appearance, but it's actually – sometimes that's irrelevant over who created the character, over who developed the character and made them – there was a certain term that he used that wasn't creation – and And I thought that it was an interesting way of putting it, because you know the a character is different in their very first appearance than like what they eventually become as which sometimes makes the whole creator thing move. but yeah. I mean, from a very, very technical you know and definition standpoint, yeah, you know, Conway and Andrew created Ben Riley, you know, just other people uh took him and made him into something else that we recognize today.
6: Well, I think you can also relate it to like you look at uh, Nightwing is always credited as being created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, which Dick Grayson was created decades before (laughs) that, but they made him who he is now, and it's so much more so with Ben Riley because those guys just created the idea that there's a clone. They didn't create a character.
4: Right.
0: I mean, he was he was supposed to be the climax to a story that was never going to be told again. And they took that te- that story and and embellished it. I think if you're going to say if I you could argue absolutely that John Romita Jr. and and JMD Mateus are the ones that made Ben Riley a character. Yeah, that they had, the, with the Lost Years miniseries because that's that's where you get all the backstory. Uh, you could argue that that um, that Terry Kavanoff and Stephen Butler created the Scarlet Spider because that's his first appearance. Um. In Web 118, or 119, excuse me. So it, it, it's a great question. I do consider that that Conway and Andrew created the basis of Ben Riley. The bare foundation of Ben Riley was created by Conway and Andrew. Absolutely.
4: Okay. Uh, JR, where, if at all, does Omit and Amazing Spider Man Annual 2001 rank in your list of worst Spider Man stories beyond at your top 10 list on Spidey Kick Spot?
5: Uh, First of all, you know, you guys realize you just pretty well shit can the Kirby family's claim that Jack created Spider Man. Uh but uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's one that I actually one that I fully agree with. Uh the to the question at hand, Big Al has obviously read my stuff because he knows how low I think uh uh how loathsome I think Amazing Annual two thousand one is. Uh Big Al, the way I would handle it actually is when and I actually have written a whole article on one moment in time, I just haven't published it. Uh, but uh, what, basically, if I redid my list, one more, it would the, the worst story would be one more day slash one moment in time, kind of like I did with the Clone Saga, where you know there were two or three stories, but I just put them as one. Uh, you know, instead of giving that particular event more than one spot, you know, I just would combine them and give them one spot. Uh, but definitely the annual would be in the second ten, between ten between eleven and twenty, because that is an, that is another seriously crappy and offensive story.
4: Refresh me what happened in Annual 2001.
5: Well, Annual 2001, remember remember JMS said he wanted Mary Jane kind of out of the books so he could you know explore Peter Parker and find out who he is. Amazing yeah. Annual 2001 is is that story where Mary Jane leaves Peter. But again, it's not the idea or the concept; it's the execution. The execution is just deplorable because Peter, Peter spent. I mean, first of all, you got to realize Mary Jane has spent a lot of time locked in a closet, you know, and so that is going to create a lot of psychological oh. issues. They modestly explored that, but the thing is, Peter kept honor for sex, and oh, it was I like that. Yeah. exactly. I mean, and like he knows his wife has a problem with confinement. And he keeps hounding her for sex, and it's like this is stupid. Uh, and and then you know, and then Aunt May says makes a political comment about, you know, she was in Florida visiting Anna Watson, and you know, she was afraid that you know, instead of voting for Al Gore, they voted for that horrible other man, which had not, uh, you know, again, political. I didn't like that guy either, but that was. No way did that belong there. That was an offhanded sna- uh, comment, and then the ending was the worst in soap opera. You know, it, it was a horrible soap opera esque ending. Um, it, Tell uh, me the uh, ending real quick. Oh, it, it was just one of those. You know, oh yeah. You know, I understand. Goodbye. You know, and Pierre walks off into the sunset. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. It, it, it was stupid. It was. A, it was an idea that, in the hands of a good writer, could have been a great and compelling story. But was just turned into a piece of shit.
2: Yeah. She walks off by herself in the middle of the night um, in New York City after having just been abducted and spending earlier scenes in the story being afraid of like dark, closed spaces.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing in that story. Yeah, is That, that was makes... one of Howard Mackey's last ones, wasn't it? It was his last one. Oh, well, that was the very last Howard Mackey story. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Hell yeah, yeah, you, you can see why. Wow, Tony. Will there be any more Gwen articles in your future?
2: Okay, here here's the deal, and um, I've explained this a few different times in a few different places. Um, Big Al probably hasn't seen them because you know it's 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 kind of scattered. But the Gwen articles were actually originally done on a LiveJournal site. Well, actually, originally they were for Sam Ruby, but they were completed on a LiveJournal community called Scans Daily. Um there was a kerfuffle with them and Peter David and Scans Daily got completely wiped off the map. But somebody did a backup online and for CrawlSpace what I was doing was I was cutting and pasting the backups into, you know, pose for crawlspace, and then eventually the backup was taken offline. Now I have the backup saved, like as a live journal archive file or something. But for some reason I can't actually cut and paste the whole live journal archive into a WordPress post. So I have to like manually retype everything, which is easy. I just got to copy everything that I've done. I can't hit control C and then you know control V. But if anyone uh I'm just kind of too lazy to do that sometimes, but the stuff is there and the stuff has been completed for years and People have been asking me to get back to that for a while. Greg Wiseman personally asked me to get back to that, and I kind of made a deal with him that I would if he would do the interview, and um, I didn't keep up my end. He kept up his. I know he still listens to the podcast sometimes, so sorry, Greg. Uh, (laughs) But if anyone knows. Yeah, if anyone knows how to upload like a live journal archive file to something on the internet, a way where I can cut and paste it without having to like basically save me some of the busy work, that would be kind of awesome, and I can get back on track.
4: There you go. Uh, BD, what is it about the Hulk that you find so appealing? Um, I don't know. The Jekyll and Hyde. He's a cool visual. I loved the uh, Bill Bixby show when I was a kid, and that just kind of always stuck with me. Uh, he was, And I always loved, probably, well, my first comic was, one of my first comics was Marvel Team-Up Annual number no. 2, where Spider-Man fought the Hulk, so I, they kind of go like peanut butter and jelly to me in the Marvel Universe. I love both of those characters so much. And that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another great example of their prices is on Age of Ultron number 5. And this one it doesn't sound too good for Spidey. It says that half the Marvel Universe heroes are dead and the other half make a choice that will change the course of the MU forever. Now the cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just a buck 99, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster Brad Douglas for the Spiderman Crawlspace.com.